0: Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome to our service online. We're delighted that you've joined us as part of our online campus. And we are blessed, really believing that God's going to speak to you. But first of all, let's acknowledge that we are in the middle of a massive heat wave, 40 Celsius. That is um, absolutely overwhelming. And yet here we are, Enjoying the warm weather, 40 Celsius. I hope you're doing well. Well, this service, we continue our series, Powered Up. Pastor Jordan will be preaching and sharing about how the Holy Spirit brooded at creation and is present at the end. And looking at the whole issue and the subject of the brooding presence of the Holy Spirit within the Bible. It's gonna be really interesting and I know it will provoke you to think about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the work of the Holy Spirit in people all around us. So be prepared to be challenged and be blessed. Be prepared to enjoy the messages both at Highway 33, and in the mission, and I know that God will speak to you. Luke Madden is preaching in the mission this weekend, our pastoral apprentice, and he has preached a number of times, led worship, just got a real beautiful heart for the Lord. So to begin the service, let's take a moment and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather right now. Father, thank you that we can worship you in this way. Father, in this day and age, we need your guidance. We need your encouragement. We need the closeness of Christ to surround us. So, Lord, I pray that as we step into this time of worship, you will bless us and come close to us wherever we may be and whatever situation we may be facing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Good morning, Willow Park Church. Lovely to have you with us today. We're gonna be praising our God. We're gonna sing some songs that talk about us surrendering to God and remembering that He is the one who wins our battles for us so we're going to talk about do what you want to that we are going to surrender everything to god that the battle belongs to god and that in christ alone our hope is found so join with us and find our hope in jesus
2: Do what you want to, do what you want to. God, we love to see you through. Do what you want to, do what you want to. Do what you want to do what you want to God will love to see you Do what you want to do what you want to.
1: as we sing this song we will give all our battles and all our fights to you all the things that we are struggling with whether it's personal in our own walk and temptations that we're struggling against or whether it's something else finances or a job situation family difficulties Lord we give all our battles to you the battle belongs to you. You have the victory. So we wait and see for our salvation comes from you. called in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm maybe you're struggling to find some solid ground today well this is God's promise to you that he is your cornerstone he is your firm foundation He will not let you down. He will be with you constantly. And we stand on him. In Christ alone, my
2: hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Farm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what what depths depths of peace, when fields are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on on that cross cross as Jesus died, died, the wrath of God.
1: Thank you that we stand in your victory. We surrender to you. The battle belongs to you. And you won. (laughs) You defeated sin and death and hell. And because of that, we can stand firm on you, our cornerstone, and trust in Christ alone. For your glory and for our good. Bless your name. Amen.
0: I think... At this time, as we step into communion and we think about those words in Christ alone, often we try and find words to explain things that are really hard to come to terms with. I remember one gentleman talking about that he'd been through a terrible car accident had seen members of his family, children killed. He asked God why. And in his musings and in his writings, he found himself one day sat in a beautiful French cathedral. If you've ever had the pleasure of going to France and experiencing the magnificent architecture of The ancient cathedrals, they are beautiful and stunning. But of course, he was in a storm in his mind and of emotion and wondering how on earth he could reconcile his personal suffering with all that was going on and all he was feeling and the grief and the agony with his faith. And I think, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't struggled in that way and in that manner? But that kind of grief he was thinking was unthinkable. Sat down in the church and he started to stare at a Catholic crucifix. Big, massive. As often they are in these uh, Catholic cathedrals. And as he's lucked for quite a long time, lingered and pondered and his mind wandered, I guess. And he was struck by the image of Christ on the cross. And I think he wrote something like this. That even though he didn't have an answer at that moment, somehow the answer was in Christ on that cross. He said he couldn't write the answer. He said he couldn't articulate it and put it into a sentence. But he said the answer was there. He was staring at the answer of humanity's pain and suffering. He found such sense of connection and relief and insight in Jesus on the cross. Maybe, of course, it's because Christ suffered for the sins of the world Christ suffered for man's darkness, man's pain, man's rebellion, man's sin. And I think even now as we hear the ongoing news of, of the residential schools and more news unfolding... I wrote an article about this and said that sometimes we don't have words to say, we just have groans. That's what Romans says, isn't it? The spirit within us groans to the spirit of God. And I know for our indigenous community and for families connected beyond the level of emotion and pain that they are feeling is is so real and so profound. and, And I think we should all, I know, I don't think, I know we should all seek to understand, identify, love, and be aware of the pain in the nation again and groan, and groan in our prayers, and take a moment to acknowledge that. There's a lot to be said about that subject, and the pain, and I certainly am not qualified or able to speak about the subject, but I feel pretty qualified to talk about God's love for a broken world. I feel qualified to say that when you stare into the face of Jesus, who was crucified for us, for the darkness of humanity and the pain of humanity, there is an answer in the suffering servant in Christ. So as we take communion, just for a moment, let's remember and continue to remember all those that are affected by this ongoing news and our indigenous members of our church and those who are connected. And naturally, you may not know many of them because, you know, they're part of the congregation, but their grandmother or a great aunt or a family member was in a residential school. And I have had the opportunity to hear a little bit of their story and their reflections so father we pray right now for all that is happening for the ongoing pain in the nation and particularly in these indigenous communities that are being deeply affected Humanity, Lord. And we look at the Christ in the bread. We look at the suffering, the pain, the rejection, the isolation and the agony that he went through. To be our substitute. Taking our sin. Substitutional atonement for us our brokenness of humanity to bring forgiveness and healing. So, the body of Christ, which is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. He purchased you. But also remember that he was broken so that the world could be healed. The body of Christ. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. His blood was shed to atone us, to free us. His blood purchased forgiveness. If you like, it purchased grace. It purchased a new beginning. Lord, I pray that and thank you for the blood of Christ. And we praise you that we are forgiven and we are cleansed because of it. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to join us at Willow One Prayer. Uh, this Monday evening, I do want to devote a good portion of Willow One Prayer to acknowledge and to pray for the Indigenous community and to spend some time with a bit of a prayer vigil, a time. I think that's only right. I'm trying to work out and working on the best way to do that. The Elders Board spent quite a lot of time discussing this, and we've reached out to our First Nations and asked for guidance, and the way that we can, as a church community, respond. The church, as a whole, needs to respond, but we can do our little bit. So... uh, do join us on Monday evening and come to the church and gather and pray. We can all gather and pray at the church and, and also online and join us for that. But right now, here is the Willow One news. So hear that all that is taking place and all that is happening. Bless you.
3: Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from Church Online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome, and here's your family news. We want to set aside some time to pray as a church family for all that is going on this summer at Willow Park Church. Join us Monday night at 7 p.m. for Willow One Prayer. We are gathering in person at our Rutland location, and you can just show up and sign in at the door. We will also be streaming online. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. We have a brand new camp for kids coming August 16th to 27th. Our musical theater summer camp is for ages 9 to 15. Kids will have tons of fun while auditioning, rehearsing, and then performing an original musical. Sign up today at willowparkchurch.com slash theater camp. Our church camp out is looking like it's going to be a great time. Registration for the weekend of July 9th to 12th is now full, but we still have lots of RV and tent camping sites available for the weeks before and after that weekend. You can reserve a camping site today at willowparkchurch.com campout. Our ARC Youth Summer Camps are happening this summer at a brand new location at Pines Bible Camp in Grand Forks. Our Junior High Camp is happening July 5th to 9th and our Senior High Camp is July 12th to 16th camps are filling fast, so be sure to register today at cahoots.ca. Did you know we now have Kids Church happening at all three of our locations, plus Kids Camp and Preteen Camp coming in July. To be able to do all this, we need a whole lot of volunteers. Join the Kids Church team today by signing up at willowparkchurch.com kids team or sign up to help at Kids Camp or Pre-Teen Camp by registering for those events as a volunteer. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
4: Well, good morning everyone. If you ever wanted to go to camp, I think we got you covered here. I think there's a lot of camps going on and... Uh, and if you've ever wanted to try your hand at acting and you're over 15 years old, maybe we could start something up for that. Maybe we can have a bit of a play uh, this summer. That'd be kind of fun to do. Anyways, good morning. My name is Jordan, and I'm pleased to be here. And uh, as we continue on in our Holy Spirit series, we are um, we're just kind of going along. And I was trying to think, what can we do— um, Kind of, As you get into these series, you want to say, we have some stuff coming up that you don't want to get into, and we've done a lot of stuff that, um, that, is, uh, that, that has been covered, has been fantastic. The last few weeks, Phil's been talking a lot about the, uh, the, um, the, the Holy Spirit and community and how we all work together and how we function in that way. And so I thought, this week, why not do a whole Bible from the very beginning to the very end of all the Holy Spirit mentions? Maybe not so much, but let's do the very beginning and the very end, and we'll fill in the blanks. That's what the, that's the rest of the time is for, filling in the blanks. So we are going to talk about the first and the end mentions of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So if you want to open your Bibles to Genesis and Revelations at the same time, it could be exciting. If you are new to the Bible, which is fair enough, um, Genesis is open it and it's there, and Revelations is close it and it's there. So you will be able to get there pretty easily, I do think so. Let's pray and invite the Spirit to be here this morning. Father, thank you so much. For this time, as we are here and we experiencing your spirit and we are living through uh, your spirit and knowing Jesus, I ask right now, Spirit, you would come. And we invite you to be here with us as we open your word, find out about you, find ab- out about the intricacies a bit more of your spirit and how you're so active in living and wanting to interact with us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right out of the get-go, we see the Spirit. We see the importance that we see. Really, we see an experience. If you look into it deeper, we see the Trinity right then and there at the beginning of the opening of the Bible. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, and it was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. On the first day, it felt like there was order. It felt like there was something that we could wrap our heads around. And then after that, we have, you know, you have your, you have your Noah, you have your Abraham, you have your Moses, you have your your prophets, you have the Psalms, you have everything that goes along with that, and then you get into the New Testament. You meet Jesus for the first time. Even though he's already been there, you meet Jesus for the first time, and then you meet meet some disciples, and you meet them and see what they're up to, and uh, you see the Holy Spirit come down like a dove. This is very exciting. Everything is happening, and then Jesus goes to the cross, and the Spirit resurrects him, and he moves, and he ascends up to heaven, and the Spirit comes down, and lives in us. So we covered that part, and then we get all the way to Revelation. And it says this, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the gift of the water of life. The Spirit is calling us to come to have that beautiful gift of the water of life. So we see this And we're going to get into these verses in a a second here, but we see the Trinity represented already. And the big idea that we're talking about today is the Spirit desires to interact with with us and bring order to our chaos. And once we are in that order, He continually wants to bring others into that order so they can experience the gift of the water of life. The Spirit is acting always, 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 prodding, always moving, always wooing, always brooding, always interacting over us so that we can be in a relationship with Jesus. So the Trinity, you may have heard of the Trinity before if you've been in a building like this a few times, and if not, you know, you probably have heard of the idea of what the Trinity is, and I'm not going to be able to give you that simple of an answer to what the Trinity is. You would probably like me to say that it is like an egg, and we can simplify the God of eternity into an egg, and we cannot. But we could try that. The egg is the shell and the yolk and the white, and that's God. That is not exactly how the Trinity works. Um, We can go to St. Augustine, and he has a bit more, uh, seven statements of what the Trinity is. And he says, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So the Trinity is three persons, one God. The Trinity is not one person. It is not three different gods. So the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father. But there is only one God. So this vast expanse of what the Trinity is, three in one, what it is not three separate gods. It is not something that we can compartmentalize and separate, but it also is something that is compartmentalized and separated, which is super exciting. But whenever you think about the Trinity, let me encourage you that you are meditating on who God is, and that's a good thing. So if you want to wrestle with the Trinity, if that's your devotions this week, it's just wrestling through the Trinity, that's probably a good thing, just to sit with that mystery, the mystery of who the Trinity is. But I will say this, and you may or may not agree, the one mystery of the Trinity that is mysterious above all is the Holy Spirit. How can we wrap our minds around the Holy Spirit? We can wrap our minds a bit around, we can't complete, completely understand fully, but Jesus the Son as a human 2,000 years ago evidenced that He lived. We can have our minds wrapped around that a little bit. God the Father, we have fathers to look to, good and bad. We can see what is good. We can see what is bad of a father. So we can kind of wrap our heads a little bit around the Father. But the Holy Spirit is something a little bit different. The Holy Spirit is like, you can't really grab onto it. You can't really do something with it. You just have to trust it and understand that it is active and wants to be living and moving in our lives. The problem is, sometimes we ignore and push back on the Holy Spirit but really the Holy Spirit is so integral in every part of us the Holy Spirit is the great agent of creation and regeneration the Bible says unless he is born of water and the Spirit then you cannot enter the kingdom of God being born again is literally a work of the Spirit we cannot push the Spirit aside and say the Spirit is not for today because if we say the Spirit is not for today, then we cannot enter into a relationship with Jesus. The Spirit is so, so important, and it is God. So, that brings us to today's sermon the Holy Spirit, the brooding and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is brooding, the Holy Spirit is hovering, and the Holy Spirit is wooing us into a relationship with Jesus. Genesis 1, in the beginning. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. If you can have a, take a moment, if you want to close your eyes, you're more than welcome to. But trying to find out this whole vast expanse of our universe is just formless and void of anything. Just chaotic. Now, scientists actually talk about this prior to what they would say. The Big Bang is prior to how they see creation happening, is that this formless and void. And they use the same words that we use, which is tohu vavohu. I'm sure you all use that word in your regular, your regular everyday wording. Tohu vavohu. Let's all say it together on the count of three. One, two, three, tohu vavohu. Now it is also tohu vavohu, but we're just gonna go with the double V here and because it sounds nicer, because it doesn't sound quite as weird. But. The one, let's do it again. One, two, three. Tohu vavohu is the wasteland, the void, and the emptiness that was our universe. And the Holy Spirit was hovering over this tohu vavohu. This, sometimes there is this chaos and emptiness and void that is in our lives, that it was in creation prior to what we know as this world. And then we have the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's so much mystery in this. Like the waters were there, were they not there? It's very confusing. But it says here in this beautiful poem, the Spirit of God was hovering. And I want to take that word to what it is brooding. Brooding means to hover, to loom, to hang, to hover over, and to incubate. The Holy Spirit was brooding over this vast void, chaotic expanse. And as the Holy Spirit hovered and brooded, he wanted to make and bring life. Now, who here has chickens? Anyone have chickens? no one has chickens so i have chickens and actually i have i got a lot i got a new puppy oh golden retriever it's been about four moments that that was done but no we're still there got a golden retriever got a very meowy kind of burmese cat that just like i'm not burmese is that the word anyway siamese but not anyways cat that meows constantly we got a bunny we got we, we had like seven chickens, and then one was a rooster, so that was gone. And then one got too broody, and we didn't know how to take care of it, and it passed on. And another one, I said before in a, a previous server, that uh, I, I, we let a fox into our chickens, and it was gone. And uh, so we have a lot of animals, and we have chickens, and chickens brood. And we have one that is broody right now. And what that means is that, I was going to say he, she is looking to bring life to the eggs. And we'll do nothing but give, want to give life to the eggs. It hovers over constantly to the point of death. And this is that's where the analogy stops. But to the point of just sitting there always, we have to take it out, dip it in water. Not under the water, but in the water. And because uh, then that has the opposite effect as well. But if you just hold it in water, uh, its body in water, in cold water, it starts to get its brain going again to function. But this brooding is this desire to bring life out of nothing, this desire to bring something out of that egg. And so the spirit hovered over and brooded over this vast expanse of tohu vavohu, this wasteland, this chaos. And then, there you go, that word. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. There seems to be a sense of order. There was a sense of order that was brought. When the Spirit comes in, I want to assure you that order is brought in as well. You could be living life right now, and there's a sense, before we get to the end too soon, but there could be a sense of everything being absolutely out of control. And as you ask the Spirit, and as the Spirit comes into that moment, order comes into that moment. The Spirit was hovering over, it was brooding over, wanting to bring life, wanting to bring normalcy, wanting to bring that beautiful, beautiful meaning from meaninglessness and purpose from purposelessness. And then we fast forward to in the beginning of the now and not yet. As I was kind of making this sermon, I was kind of doing my headings. Um, I was like in the beginning and then in the end. But I'm like, that doesn't really work because the revelations we know isn't the end, it's like the, the beginning. And so how do I say that? And then when we look at revelations, we know that it is talking about the future. But revelations, just so you know, it's also talking about the right now. So, the revelation in the beginning of the now and the not yet. Because this is impacting you and I now and not yet. We have this understanding, and completely understandable, that we are excited for heaven. But heaven can be now. We talk about that. The Lord's Prayer God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We can be living in God's good kingdom now as well as not yet. So it says this, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. When your robes are washed, when you confess your sin, when you accept Jesus into your life, everybody can do it, just so you know. And that washing, the blood washing our sins away as we took communion earlier today. It's just this beautiful moment that we are washed clean and we are into a moment and we are into walking into eternity at that moment. We're walking into the spirit, walking into this world and this excitement that really is known by no other way except through Jesus. And they may go through the gates into the city. So once we've accepted and once we have had our robes washed clean, we walk through into the city. Now, city. Obviously, we look at the city. We look at going into the eternal city. We look at going into heaven. That's one way of looking, looking at things, for sure, and definitely there is that validity to it. But it's also walking into the city now, just like, just like many other ways of talking about the uh, the body of Christ. We got the body of Christ. We got the bride of Christ. We got the field. We have the city where we all belong together and are all together. So we are a family of God. And then outside of the dogs, those who practice magic, magical arts, sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood—way to bring it heavy to this verse, I know. This is not an exhaustive list of sins, just so you know. You know, if I didn't connect, connect, commit any of these, I'm good. No, this is just like, look, if you've placed yourself ahead, if you've done something that separates us from God, this is, we're on that list. And you know what, can I just reassure you all? We've all been on this list of that before. You know, just because you're born into a church, just because I was, you know, I accepted Jesus, said a prayer when I was a kid, still there's moments that I need to accept Jesus again. I need to accept him into my life continually. There's always, for every single one of us, a moment where we're outside and now we're inside. But this inside is not an exclusive club. But the outside is really all about this word here, the falsehood. And what is falsehood it is people that are seeking the truth, but whose truth are they seeking? We all seek truth, but we're all seeking God. But do we put God in our image? Or are we going created in God's image? Or have we created God in our image? And what happens when we experience that falsehood is we've created God in our image trying to establish who He is through our own interpretation of that. And so what happens when you're outside of the city, you create a bit of a Babylon, you create a bit of a a structure on your own, and that you can bring yourself salvation. You can bring yourself eternal life. You can get yourself into the city. But that's the point. It's all about grace. There's no one that can earn their way in. We know that. It's... Christianity one hundred and one. Jesus invites us in. The Spirit brings us in. So the truth seeking, when we seek to create a falsehood, we seek to create a false narrative, keeps us away. But I want to tell you, this city on the inside is not exclusive because we were all on the outside at one point, And as we come in, we need to be accepting and bringing other people in with us. I, Jesus, sent my, angel to give, sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus is truth. And then the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the Spirit is saying to us to come. And this is the spirit is the wooing. So we have the brooding at the beginning. He's, the spirit is, he is, the spirit is hovering over, waiting to interact with us, waiting to bring order from our chaos. And all the way to the very, very end of the Bible, we have the spirit wooing us and saying, Look, come into this order from the chaos. Outside is the chaos, inside is the beautiful order that we all long for. But this week, as I was looking at this, I was like, You know, you're just going through it, praying through it, or just reading it at the moment. And then I saw the Spirit and the bride say, come. We're the bride. Just so you know, God doesn't need us, but God wants to use us. God wants to partner with us to bring those people with the Spirit into the city, into the family of God, into this beautiful sense of order into this life spring well of water and the tree of life. And as we are faith-filled Christians, if our heart doesn't bubble for the outside of the city to be brought into the inside of the city, I may question if the Spirit is actually living and breathing in us. Because if we start to make this city an exclusive group with our walls built up and nobody else can come in, That is anti-what Jesus wants to do. So then the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit begins wooing. The Spirit is wooing us. And and what happens is there's this moment that we've all thought about, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to try to get this right, and I am trying my hardest to get this right, because this is a big concept. Mark twenty eight verse 28 to 30. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of men, of what, and whatever blasphemy they utter. So your sins will be forgiven if you utter blasphemy. What's that blasphemy about? Probably, possibly about Jesus. There is other verses that talk about it. Jesus. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. How many times as a teenager, as a kid, Maybe as an adult, have you racked your brain over this? Have I done this lately? Have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Why is it just the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit insecure that oh, I don't really want people speaking bad about me? But what I've come to understand is this blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is just the refusal to accept the wooing into a true relationship with Jesus. When you refuse the wooing and you push back against the wooing and say, I can build up my own kingdom to figure out how to do it myself, that's the impardonable sin. Now that impardonable sin, magically, not magically, through grace, is actually very much forgivable once you pass that and accept the wooing of the spirit into a right relationship with Jesus. When you're on the outside and you want to build up your own kingdom, when when you want to build up your own Babylon, when you want to build up your own city, that is the impardonable sin. But it's very much pardonable once you say, ah, I don't want to build my own city anymore. I want your city, Jesus. And so the Spirit is wooing us into relationship. George MacDonald. Is it George MacDonald? I just got to double check. Because I don't want to. Lilith. Has anybody ever read the book Lilith? I said George McDonald this morning. I think I did. Let's just go with that. He, he All right, let's go with the author of the book, Lilith. How about we do that? Uh, He is a big influencer of C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien. People even say that they, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis says he's taken ideas from George MacDonald and made them his very own. He says it very plainly. And he has this book, Lilith, that is, uh, I'm not reading it, I am audibleing it, in his 11 hours, so I will not be reading that, but I'm listening to it. And there is Mr. Raven and Mr. Vane. It has this magical fantasy type of idea where there's a mirror and Mr. Raven can walk into the mirror and Mr. Vane is sitting there saying, where are you going? I met you. I want to go that way. And uh, it's, it's, it's a bit this thing. Mr. Raven says, hey, why don't you come with me? There's something good on this side. And Mr. Vane, aptly named says, no, no, I think I'm good. I like my life on this side of the mirror, thank you. I like to be over here. I don't necessarily want the adventure that's on the other side because I like the adventure I have here safe. And Mr. Raven says, come, and Mr. Vane says, no. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is wooing us and saying, come this way, come to me. And if we say, no, 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 that is when we reject. That is when we move to our own kingdoms. We all have choices to make. That is the beauty of God's love, is that he's allowed each and every single one of us a choice to make. We can make a choice. We can come in because he doesn't force himself on us. The spirit hovers and the spirit woos, but he doesn't force. That's why we invite him into this service. He is more than welcome to always be here, but he wants to be invited. He wants to be included in our lives. That's how beautiful our God is. The creator of all the universe that is ever expanding wants to be invited. And we need to invite him into a relationship with us. Mark chapter 5 is this beautiful understanding of the restoration that the Spirit gives. And we know The Spirit is God, Jesus is God, the Father is God. They are all one. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. This is Mark chapter 5, the healing of a sick woman in verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touched his clothes, then I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Let's stop there and look at the beginning. You can kind of see the outside of the city represented here. I've tried everything to bring order to my chaos. Everything I've done, I've tried. I've tried to create big wealth. I've gone to the right doctors. I've gone to the right things. But there's nothing that is actually answering my prayers. There's nothing that's an- actually answering my call except for one, and that's Jesus. She's tried everything, and nothing has worked. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out him, from him. He, he turned around and This woman was outside. When you are suffering from this, from what I under, what, we, what we learn is that you're socially outcast. You cannot come into the temple. You cannot be a part of community. You have no relationship with people for 12 years. Chaos has ruled her life. Purposelessness has ruled her life. But then just one touch from the king changed everything. Just one touch of the cloak of Jesus, just one prompting from the Spirit to move forward changed everything. God calls us out of our chaos. God desires the people that are outside of the city to be inside the city with us. The Spirit broods and the Spirit woos over us. He wants a relationship. So now what? I have five points of the now what. Be intentionable, intentional about inviting the Spirit. This past week, as I prepared this sermon, trying to ins and outs and figuring that out, um, my wife and I had been going through a little bit of a, you know, you know what I say when I say, you know. We just were, things weren't clicking. Everything I said, she was irritated. Everything she said I was irritated at, the kids knew it, I knew it, the cat knew it, the dog knew it, everything. It was just, and it had gone on too long. Like, what is going on? And then she had came and and she bought me these shorts. (laughs) Very nice. That's why I'm wearing shorts this morning. And she came to church and she pulled up. She said, oh, I'm out here. So I came out and there's still this, you know, tension. And she said, oh, how's the sermon going? Oh, that's going good. And then she was like, well, what, you know, what, what is kind of the idea? And I'm like, oh, I think I know the idea. I hope you guys get the idea. But it was kind of like, it's like you have to enter, ask the Spirit to come into something in order for the Spirit to feel free to be in that. If you want to have that chaos put back into order, you have to invite the Spirit into that chaos. And I was like, oh, we got a bit of chaos going on, don't we? Yeah. I said, why don't we pray? Just like simple. And so I stopped and we prayed and said, Spirit, I want to invite you into our relationship. We've done this plenty of times in our lives. Plenty of times we've invited the Spirit, but sometimes we quench and we remove. I said, Spirit, come in. We just invite you to bring order from our chaos. And just like in Beauty and the Beast, swirling happened and we were raised up out of our car and miracles happened upon miracles. No, we just sat there and said amen and I left. But then like that night, everything seemed to start to change. There wasn't that tension anymore. There was more patience on her side for me. I'll say it that way. There was more understanding and everything seemed lighter and everything seemed okay again and we remembered why we said we do in the beginning and we remembered our love for each other from the beginning because we invited God back into our relationship the spirit wants in and the only way the spirit gets in is if you invite him in and you won't have that order unless you invite him in So in every part of your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your chaos, in your confusion, in your finances, invite him in. This is not saying that everything will be okay right away. But the Spirit allows an amazing ability to function in chaos as well and bring order that you didn't know was there. The second one is be present with Jesus. I'd say I would go off and make a judgment that the vast majority of the people here maybe listening probably call themselves Christians. I call myself Christian. There's times that go by that I'm not really present with Jesus. I know that commitment has been made, but I'm not really that present. I don't stop and take some time to close my eyes and just be in the presence of Jesus, just be sitting with Jesus. We need to stop, and when life is chaotic, be present with Jesus. You might be in a relationship that one person would be like, 100%, I want the Holy Spirit in. The other person is like, I don't know if I want that. Well, then you invite the Spirit to be present in your heart, in your life, and allow him to give that grace, and you be in this city, and you be seeing the tree of life and and the river of life. Just be present with Jesus. Be in communication with him, sharing your doubts and feeling he knows them all. You know, it's okay not to really understand completely the God that has created this universe that is ever-expanding, and there's millions and billions of stars and galaxies that we haven't even discovered yet. It's okay to not be able to put Him into an egg and a yolk and a white. And be inviting Him. Be in communication with Him, sharing your doubts and feelings, because He knows them all. Allow Him to be part of your doubt, because your faith... And doubt can coexist. That is a whole other set of series of sermons. But your faith and your doubt can coexist, and that's okay. The confusion can be there. Just invite him into that. He's bigger than all your questions. Be repentant. Got to keep the bees going. Sometimes we forget just to be like, God, I've messed up. The list of sins grows bigger. The list of grievances is is a mile long. And just stop and just say, God, I confess. I give it to you. And finally, look at this. Beatitudes rather than Babylon. If we build our kingdom on Jesus and his beatitudes in Matthew 5 as opposed to our own our own kingdom and our own set of values and our own set of what we want to do, then the Spirit can work in our lives. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are not... These are not values set up by Babylon, our own kingdoms. These are values set up by our king. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We're not encouraged to show mercy in this life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people, in, people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's not the kingdom of this world. That's a better kingdom. That's a better city. That's a better now and not yet. And we need to have, as we are in that, to join with the Spirit and bring that outside group in, not as exclusivity but as an inclusion and wonderful life. I'm going to close today with Psalm 23. If you want at home or here, just to close your eyes, take a moment to bring the chaos that the Holy Spirit is hovering over. Invite Him in to straighten up what we have. And this here, Psalm 23, is the life that we live when the Holy Spirit is full and functioning in us. The Lord is my shepherd. you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spirit, we welcome you. The truth of Jesus and the love of our Father The Trinity, God, you are. We accept you in our lives, and we want those around us to experience this love as well. Spirit, you brood and you woo, and we thank you for that. We accept that. your name, Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you for coming. We have prayer tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Here, Phil. And online? Or no? And online. online. So here online, 7 p.m. tomorrow, lots to pray for, lots of stuff going on. And uh, go in peace, bless you, and encourage you. Amen.